have a seat. I love that song. That is a song of utter dependence upon the Lord, isn't it? That it is his breath in our lungs, and so therefore we can and will pour out praise to God. Uh, that was, I remember that was one of the first songs we sang as a church. And so pretty, pretty great to um, sing that together this morning. And if you needed that this morning or needed to be reminded of that this morning after uh, a week of Christmas, maybe hosting some family in town, uh, maybe you're a little tired, be encouraged, brothers and sisters in Christ, that God gives you the very breath in your lungs to live and move and act and he is in control. He's working in your life. And uh, whatever has happened this week, um, he loves you and has a great plan for you. And he's got a great plan for you this morning because you're here. And you'll never get those moments back again. So let's capture them together, yes? Well, prior to um, the preaching of God's word, which will be done by my fellow elder, Peter, um, I'd like to just read a Bible story and teach a little bit about why we stand when we read the Bible, okay? So if you would, take out your Bibles and turn to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. Um, when Paul read Psalm 96, that was about in the middle. And just flip over like, I don't know, a quarter of an inch Prior to the book of Job, you'll see the book of Second uh, Chronicles, Ezra, and then we hit Nehemiah. And um, while you're flipping there, just two encouragements. Just a reminder in 2020, have it be your goal to bring your Bibles to church so you can write in them and follow along with the scriptures. Looking up on the screen is great, but uh, having your Bibles is better. Uh, so bring your Bibles to church. And then also, um, kids or adults, if you don't uh, know the books of the Bible, um, we would love to just offer some great resources. I know that uh, our family has loved the couple songs that have, have enabled us to memorize the books of the Bible. And so um, we would love to share those with you if you, um, if you would like to memorize where the books are in the Bible. Okay, this is from uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, and I am going to read verse 1 all the way to 8, okay? And then uh, we'll talk a little bit, and then we'll read the, the scripture that's going to be preached today, okay? Here we go. Nehemiah 8. Don't get bogged down by the big, long Jewish names. Just, just go with it, okay? Here we go. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. Here's verse 3. And he read from it, Facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. 
And beside him stood Mattathia, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maseah, and on his right, and Padea, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashum, Hashbanah, Zechariah, and Meshalam on his left hand. Here's verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. Verse 6. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Banai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebethai, Hodiah, Maseah, Kelida, Azariah, Jezabad, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. And here's verse 8. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly. And they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Isn't that a great passage of scripture? Nehemiah 8. The people of God were without the book for a long time. And at this moment, the book was found and they were like, let's bring it out. Let's hear it. And so Ezra, Ezra stood up much like a platform like this put the book in between him and the people so as to say, this is mediating now. This is not me. These are not my ideas. But this is about to speak. And the reaction of the people was they, they stood in respect, in honor, in attentiveness, in desire. And then they worshiped and they bowed down. There was a response. Isn't that great? And from this passage, um, the church gets a tradition. And so I just want to explain it before we do it. Sometimes, uh, sometimes we do things without explanation, right? And so it's good to just, just give it a good, robust meaning. Um, sometimes, and, and most of the time, when we gather as a church, um, after the music, um, we read the Bible. And we don't explain it. We just we, we open it up. And then we ask the people of God to stand. And um, if, if not careful, we could just stand because we're tired of sitting, right? Oh, this would be nice to stretch my legs or whatever, right? Uh, and, and this is what we do, and maybe it's easier for the flow of movement for people. That's when we can, like, dismiss the kids, and it's just, like, it's just better to do socially. But actually, from the scriptures, we see that the people stood because they, they wanted to hear it. And so it was this respect unto the Lord that what is about to happen and what is about to be heard is something that requires our utmost attention, honor, and, and, and all of us. And so 
we, we flip open and we say, all right, guys, brothers and sisters in Christ, we're about to hear from God himself. He wrote the book. A whole bunch of writers were used, but the Holy Spirit inspired them to write just what God wanted us to hear. Let's hear from him this morning. It's a great tradition. Let's honor God and his word by standing right now. Would you please open up to the book of Philippians, which is very far to the right, very far. The book of Philippians in the New Testament, and we're going to read just one verse. Wasn't that interesting that, it, that the reader read it clearly, gave it sense, like to match the tone of the scriptures, right? So like when we read Psalm 23, hopefully we're not going to bark it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very gentle in like meaningful passage, the Lord is my shepherd, right? Well, this passage calls us to think about such things. And so let's allow these words from God to um, cause our minds to think and to be reflective about what God wants us to hear and to do as a result today. Amen? I'll read it and then we'll pray. This is Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let's pray. So, Father, would you do that work in our heart through your Son and by your Holy Spirit? Lord, our minds are prone to wander, prone to be distracted, prone to think about uh, whatever is in the oven for lunch or whatever the plans are this evening. But we ask you, Lord, would you help us be good Bereans this morning? that you would help us listen attentively to the scriptures and dig deep so that we may know, love, and follow you in such a way that you would be so pleased with our lives. Hey, we're weak, and so we need your help. We're calling upon you right now. And we trust that in the next moments that you have prepared something special for us to meet and hear from you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Peter, would you come on up here and give us the word? I read this week that we're not up for um, general editors. We're up for mail carriers. Would you carry us the mail? Okay. Thanks, brother. Well, good morning. Um, children, this is your cue. If you are... In the children's church, you can head on down. You have uh, Brian and Brian in the back. Thanks, guys. That's right, Ava. Go on, go on, girl. That's right. Well, 
Thank you for the opportunity to be with you. It is, it is a privilege. It's an honor. Um, and I'm very humbled to share God's word with you. Um, you know, when you, this process starts, you, Lord, what would you have me share? And, and you're reading the scriptures and you think you've settled on something. Think, you think, oh, yeah, this would be good. And then I'm the one that gets hit over the head. I'm not trying to hit anybody over the head, don't get me wrong, but I was, I'm like, I'm supposed to preach this? I'm struggling with this. Even yesterday, little things were really getting me. So I'm right with you. Um, it was way back in October, do you remember that, when we jumped into the book of Philippians? It's been three months. 16 times Paul talks about joy or rejoice. Now, it's only four chapters, so that's a lot of times to, to say that. So that is our theme. Supreme joy. That's what we've been sharing about these past weeks. We did take a break for Christmas. We're back one more time to wrap it up. Let's begin with a quick recap. Hey, if you haven't been with us, good news. You get the whole book of Philippians. We're going to review some things, so let, let's take a look at uh, one slide there. Good. Now, in chapter 1, we see Paul loves the Philippian church. They were with him from the beginning. He says, how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He prays for them that, to love what, that their love would abound still more. Then another sermon we had, to live as Christ. What is to live as Christ? What you had, Paul was weighing, gosh, if, I, if this is the end of my life, it's a win. But if I'm to remain on in the flesh, it means fruitful labor. Remember that sermon? Supreme joy is knowing Christ, loving him, and serving others. Those two together. Knowing Christ and serving others. And then in uh, chapter 1, verse 27, we see, this is where Paul Allen was, was sharing about unity. Standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the gospel. And we saw that unity was, we're united in Christ. It's, it's he's the one that unites us. We, it's not like groupthink. We all have the same cars. We listen to the same music. You know, but we're united. And in unity, together, we're locking arms we're serving others and loving him. You can go to the next one. In chapter 3, I count everything as loss. So Paul, more than any, he had cause to boast. He had the pedigree, the education, the skills, the knowledge. He had credentials, but he counted them all as rubbish compared to what? Compared to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Pastor Mike reminded us not to place any confidence in the flesh because it's worthless. It doesn't save you. We're saved by grace through faith. Then our brother Brian Lewis Talk to us about we need to set our direction and pursue Christ above all else, forgetting what lies behind. 
I press on toward the goal, forgetting what lies behind, a bit of foreshadowing for today. And finally, Pastor Mike was, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. We need to pray with thanksgiving and earnestness. We make our request known. And that wonderful promise that the peace of God will guard us. Keep our focus on him and pray. That's really good. I mean, the book of Philippians has so many great promises, some, some scriptures that people have treasured for generations. Today's passage, we can go to that slide now focuses on our thoughts. Like, this is really important because if we're making our requests to God and we have his peace, what comes next? Do you have your Bible open to this passage? I want to draw your attention to what comes next. I mean, it's, it's definitely this passage, our thought life, but if you even skip further... I'd like, and there's no slide for it, but it's in verse 11. This is 411. Where does Paul end up? I have learned in whatever situation to be content. Well, now, how do you get there? I mean, we have clues all through the book. And we know that we're to present our requests, we are fully dependent on Him. And peace comes. And eventually, there's a trust in God that no matter what, he's got me. So what happens in between is our thought life. Because you guys, your thought life, that's what protects the peace. It'll also short-circuit it. Now, this passage is familiar. If you're a follower of Christ and, and you've been reading the Bible, you've been around church, you've seen this one before. And as a young man, this verse was meaningful to me. Um, the most common application, I think, is, relates to what we watch and what we listen to. Um, garbage in, garbage out, right? We're familiar with that principle. And so we're wise and, and careful about what we're taking in. Um, I remember, like 1990, some summer, um, and I was working at Dairy Queen and McDonald's and at night's janitorial. I was working like a madman to make as much money I could for school and to save up money to visit a lovely lady who lived in Ohio. So, I mean, I was just scrounging. And uh, the days were long. But at fast food, it's fast. But at night, it was by myself. It's, it's literally night. It's like from 10 to 1. I'm, I'm vacuuming this, this church and Christian school. Gigantic classrooms. Um, and I knew that I needed help walking in the Spirit. Because I knew that if I walk in the Spirit, I will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So I'm tired, I'm vacuuming. What do you think about? Well, dumb stuff. Am I the only one that thinks about dumb stuff? 
So I need to fill that void. Well, I started listening to Christian music. I'd listened to it before, but uh, I got much more serious about it because I was wanting to conquer my thought life. But I'm vacuuming. And I don't have these super cool headphones like kids have nowadays. I had a boombox, well, like this big, two big speakers, and dual cassettes. I could put two cassettes in, <laughs> which meant you could copy a tape. You could pirate it that way. That's one great advantage of, anyone know what I'm talking about? Any dual cassettes? Yes. All right. So, Twyla Paris. Who's heard of Twyla Paris? Can shout out? Yes. All right. So, I... She just spoke to me. I loved her voice. Her songs were meaningful. And so I would crank up that boombox so loud it was above the vacuum cleaner so I could hear it. I mean, the room was like this. I had to vacuum every inch of, every inch of it and chairs, under chairs. Yeah. Uh, one night, um, kids from the youth group came over. Um, peers of mine, I guess they're all college age or, or young adults youth group, if you will. I guess they heard the loud music or the vacuuming. I'm not sure. They knew I was there. They came in, and I saw them at the doorway. Oh, so I turned off the vacuum cleaner. The music is so loud. And they're looking at me like, what? Not only like, what are you doing, but what are you listening to? So it was not something that they listened to. Uh, so I turned it down and explained. Like, this, this strengthens me. This keeps my mind stayed upon him. The song was How Beautiful. So if you are familiar with Twilight Paris, you can look that one up. I listened to it again yesterday just to go back to memory lane. And I explained to them, hey, this is about walking in the Spirit, keeping my, my thoughts on the Lord, and this helps me. But they were not tracking with me. It was just, hey, what are you listening to? It was, just, it was really kind of an awkward moment. They weren't trying to discourage me at all, but you could tell there was this, like, don't you guys do this? It strengthened me, so I kept doing it. I think it's a perfectly legitimate application of this verse. I was guarding my heart. In Proverbs 4.23, watch your heart. In another version, it's keep your heart. And I love the NIV here, guard your heart. If you're doing that, using this verse to inspire that kind of thought control, you're doing well. But let's look at it a little more closely of what this verse actually says. What is Paul telling us to do with things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy? He says to think about them. He's not just talking about external influences that affect our thinking. He's specifically addressing what we choose to think about. Let's take a look at what is first, whatever is true. And if you were to build a list of really good things to be thinking about, the first thing he lists is truth. Let's try this. I'm going to give a word, and I want you right away to, to think what comes to mind. And if you're bold enough, you could even say it out loud. Are you ready? Star. Light, star, sky. Star Wars, anybody? I was Star Wars. 
Any coffee drinkers? Starbucks? Starbucks? Anyone that I have something that didn't come up? Okay, so it's, it's what's familiar, what's common, what you have experience with, that usually what comes up. Star Wars for me. For Paul, when he's building his list, I don't think it's a coincidence that whatever is true is listed first. In John chapter 17, it says, your word is truth. You guys, spending time alone in the word and prayer is the single most effective way I've found in my life to reconnect with the Lord. Church is good, and Mike's a great preacher, and Twilight Paris is awesome. But the best thing is you all by yourself with the Word of God. That's where the truth is. We will do well to develop a routine of personal time with the Lord and His Word. What else does he say? Honorable. This is to esteem or give weight to. I mean, what things do we honor? We honor our parents. We give double honor to those who are ministers of the word. Commendable. Things that are exemplary. Let's, what does our world commend? Let's see, it seems to value success, achievement. If you're an athlete, maybe... Maybe you're proud of your own success. What's impressive to the world isn't impressive to God. Remember what is? Faith. Humility. A contrite heart. Regarding others as more important than yourself. Those things are commendable. Pure. This is moral purity. That's important. When we think of thought life, this is usually what people are referring to, but it's, it's more than that. This is an important one. No question. You want to get a handle on that? That'll ruin your marriage. Short circuit your walk with Christ. Now, as I was building this putting this together, I thought, man, I don't want to sound like I'm going to hit people with the stuff they're not doing right. Uh, I hope that's not coming across that way. God is so gracious, and he will help us. When you become a Christian, he gives you a new heart, and that transformation begins. I am nowhere near where I was years ago in the early 90s when it was Twilight Paris 24-7. The Lord has grown me so much and he continues to do so, but I still struggle. And even yesterday, I'm going to tell you, this is sound really dumb, but this is what was bugging me. The internet kept going out and the dog was barking. I mean, not just barking. Like, nonstop barking. Like someone's shooting a gun in the next county and he hears it. 
and he just keeps barking. And we do have a little buzzer, and it wasn't working. <sighs> I had to take time out. So I, I can just feel myself getting anxious dealing with this, and it's taking time. And then the, my children, they complain about the internet going out. Of course, I'm at work. I don't ever have a problem with it now. I suffered through it. So I'm sorry, children, all the times you've complained. Yeah, it does go out a lot. Like every few seconds, it seems. I don't know what the deal was. It's just these interruptions. And it was so easy, so natural for me to step into what ticks me off, what bugs me, how inconvenient, how annoying, and it just sort of darkens my mood. It's so easy for me. Hmm. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit, he draws us back in. In Romans 12, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we're going to go through that. What's this transformation look like? How do we renew our mind? Okay, let's go on to excellence. Do you see how it says, if there is any excellence? Okay, I'm a bit of a geek, and when I see conditional statements, I think computer science. Anyone relate to that at all? <laughs> I don't know. Tried to help you with this. So if is a conditional statement, meaning it checks to see if a condition is true, and if so, execute, do something. But first comes the checking. If this condition's true, do this. But if it's not true, don't do that. Do something else. And then to really do it right, you put that in a while loop so it does it repeatedly. Let's get back onto this, though. Um, you guys, how are we going to know if something is excellent? Implied here is that excellence sometimes has to be looked for. How would we know if anything is excellent? How would we know? Look. That takes effort. It's easy to spot the annoying parts. If we're interacting with people, it's going to take effort to focus on what is good. Faith does this really well. Um, because I'll come home, I'm not really, maybe I don't, I didn't notice that she got a haircut, or I'm thinking about the problems I had with students, or I'm fatigued, or I got things on my mind. I'm supposed to have processed all that on the way home so that I'm ready to be a dad and be a husband. She could easily take offense. But she looks for what's good. Thanks for working hard. She always encourages me. It is tough to control our thoughts. And an unhealthy thought life will erode our joy. And that's why in verse 9, do you have your Bibles? Let's look at verse 9. What does Paul say? What you have learned and received 
and heard and seen, like all the stuff he's just been talking about, the whole book of Philippians, plus interactions he's had with the church, what you have learned, received, heard, and seen, what's he say to do? Practice. We're going to take a look at some examples of how to practice this. It's not natural. I mean, we have habitual ways of thinking. I, have, I mean, the dog was barking. That shouldn't be a big deal. But it was like kept going on, and I, it was so natural for me to go down that road and so, so easy, so habitual for me. But we can change that practice when we replace negative thoughts with things that are true and things that are excellent. So, for example, Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. It's one of the many times Paul hits at at that. Well, do you always feel like rejoicing? So that part's normal. We're not going to always feel that way. But you're going to feel what you dwell upon. For a Christian, something that's worth rejoicing, well, we've been singing about it all morning, we're forgiven. We've been cleansed. Oh, if you've sinned much, you love much. He says we've been cleansed. So for me, oh, thank you, God. Our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. He cared enough about you to make a way for your salvation. And he's here right now. For a Christian, that's worth rejoicing about. It's fun to sing about that and to be reminded of that what's true. So that's how you transition from I don't feel like it to, oh God, you are good. I have bad memories. They sometimes come back. How do we deal with that? Well, it's natural for me to wallow in that for a while and grudge builds up. It's much better to think of a future glory. There is a future glory coming. There's an example of this happening in, in Psalm chapter 42. We have David. Let's go there now. Um, I have only part of it up there, but if you want to go to Psalm 42, this is worth marking in your Bible. Psalm 42, focusing on 1 through 5. Here we have David doing this exact thing. He's replacing negativity with things that are true and commendable. This is that wonderful song, As the Deer Pants for the Water. I'll just read the first part of it. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now here it is, verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. 
while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Hmm. So my tears, he's feeling something pretty heavy and not just woke up one day and felt it. This is an enduring sadness. To say that my tears have been my food, it's like, that's all I'm feeling. And he's got other people mocking. Maybe even he's questioning himself. What does he do? This is so good. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. Sounds to me like he's leading worship. With glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. And look at the result. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Hope in God. So he's doing it right there. He's feeling it. There's some bad stuff happening. And he made a shift. I have this wonderful memory of a thing called March for Jesus. Anybody old enough remember March for Jesus? Okay. um, This is basically loud praise music and a whole bunch of people in a parade walking down the street giving praise. And Faith and I went to one of these things in Portland, Oregon, and we gathered on Pioneer Square in downtown. This is where you go when you, when you want to protest stuff. This is the gathering place in the town. So we'd march through the streets and showed up here in the just massive praise fest. And while singing with all these people, while walking, it was so encouraging. And uh, down at the Pioneer Square, Faith's even dancing, and I'm just, oh, what freedom. You remember that? What freedom, how great that was. That's kind of what David's talking about. It was this praise party, and he remembers it, and the people singing together, it was like, yes, it's true. Even if you have a bad voice, you should still sing. Sing the things that are true. We got another one, Promise Keepers. Promise Keepers is a time uh, in the 90s where men would gather in stadiums and we would sing together and listen to, to preaching and just drawing fathers' hearts back to the children. That's what all that was about. It was a great movement. Wonderful memory. And what, was, what I'm remembering is standing and singing loud with all men, and it made this awesome roar in the stadium. And it was just like, yes! David is replacing negative thoughts with positive thoughts. Why are you cast down? What you dwell on is what you're going to feel. Now, I saw this verse lived out. There was a, I was a Christian school teacher back in the day, and one year, we were in Minnesota, one long, cold year in Minnesota. Joe knows. And uh, the, the school that, that we were at, it used to be a monastery, very old building. 
And I was standing around with fellow teachers, and we were just joking about things with the, with the maintenance man. And I made some comment about, oh, what you got yourself in for? This building's falling apart. And he said, no, this building is falling together. What a lesson I learned right there. I'm not talking about, here's a guy who just sees things glass half full instead of glass half empty. No, we're not talking about Pollyanna and just the power of positive thinking. We're talking about whether we trust God. He trusted God that he was doing meaningful work. He didn't see the challenge that he faced as, as annoyances. Just his mindset was different because of what he was thinking about. He taught me a lesson. I was reminded of 2 Corinthians 10.5, taking every thought captive to obedience. So you have a thought, you know it's wrong. Let's fight that. Let's replace it. Replace it with what? Well, this is where I'd like to assign a little bit. I am a teacher, so I like to give homework. Just seem natural. I challenge you to find a verse that when you read it, it's like, yes! Lord, thank you. I'm so grateful. That's true. That's right. Because then you'll have something to replace those negative thoughts with. Maybe you already are good at this. And you've got a list of verses. But chances are we all need to revisit the scriptures. And let's find a verse, at least one verse to start with. Your go-to verse. If the thoughts are ordered well, so will the outward life. Billy Graham, the wise man. Well, let's pray together, shall we? And we're going to be singing a song. Uh, my prayer for you folks is that, that we would learn to think rightly. That we would recognize thoughts that we should not be thinking. And that we'd combat them by thinking upon things that are true, things that are right and pure. Heavenly Father, mighty God, I want to thank you that you are awesome and that you never make a mistake. And we trust you. Lord, I don't want to just say it. I want to live it. So, Lord, we need you. We need your Holy Spirit to, to change us from the inside out. Let us begin even with one verse, Lord. Help us to find that verse. And we pray this in your wonderful name. Amen.